This is One-on-One's NFL Friday, bringing your weekly Jets, Giants, and NFL talk from WFUV Sports. With top guests, weekly fantasy advice, and opinionated analysis, this is One-on-One's NFL Friday. What's up, everybody? Week 6 of NFL Friday. Season's flying along already. I'm Tom Scabelli. Joining me is Devin Clementi and Mir Gori. Guys, what's going on? Excited for another week of football. Extremely excited. I can't wait. As a Giants fan, not so much. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's definitely been a rough start for the Giants. We're gonna have our normal setup to the show. We'll start off talking Thursday night football. We'll have our jet segment, big game against the Patriots this week. Then we'll talk about those dreadful New York Giants 0 5. Things just seem to get worse and worse just when you think they can't. We'll wrap up as always doing our pick'em and we'll have John DeBarrow on for some fantasy segments. While the show goes on, but guys, I want to start off talking about the Thursday night football game last night. 4-1 Eagles versus the 4-1 Panthers coming into the game. One of the better Thursday night matchups we've seen recently. Usually used to like Texans-Jaguars or something (laughs) garbage like that. But it's a pretty good game. Lived up to the hype. Eagles came out with the W. And it looks like the Philadelphia Eagles at 5-1 could be for real. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I think the biggest takeaway is how good Carson Wentz has been. I mean, Jared Goff obviously was taken number one last year, and he's made a big jump. But Carson Wentz looks like easily a top 10 QB to me. And that mobility that he has is severely underrated. He took control of that game yesterday, only had 222 yards, but it was enough to get it done in three TDs. Two of them to Zach Ertz, who's been a great, great option for him. Yeah, last week I was telling Matt Murphy, you know, the Eagles are going to be great, man. You Don't worry. They're going to be really, really good. And he's like, are you sure? Le- <laughs> you know, Blunt might might have just had a really good game. And I was, I was like, nah, man, you're really good. And and Blunt was great. He had 67 rushing yards on 14 carries, which is pretty good for a guy that, that kind of just runs people over. And, you know, as I, as you know, we've, we've been talking about, Carson Wentz just looks absolutely fantastic. He looks even more accurate sometimes when he's running, I feel, than when he is mm-hmm. um, stationary. Definitely. And you know what? Maybe that's not a bad thing. You know, sometimes you that concerns you maybe, but but I'm okay with that. And I really like how he's he's developed Aguilar, and I think that also Jeffries has helped Aguilar get better. So it was great. Yeah, Carson Wentz, I mean, people are talking about him being, like you said, top 10 quarterback. Some people are saying even higher than that. I mean, he's still got some stuff to learn. He's only Absolutely. in his sophomore season. But, I mean, 222 yards, three touchdowns, like you said. Only rushed for 25 yards, but he's just so – he's like Big Ben sort of in that. Mm-hmm. Once he gets out in the pocket, he's so mobile and able to expend, extend plays with his feet and throw the deep ball. I've been really impressed with him. And coming into this season, I thought the Eagles may have been a year, year or so away from really being in contention. But all of a sudden, I mean, look, they got a good running game led by LeGarrette Blunt. Carson Wentz has shown to be a really good quarterback. The receiving corps has really stepped up, and their defense is good. They have a good pass rush. They're able to get at the quarterback, and all of a sudden they look like one of the teams to beat in the NFC. My only concern about the Eagles is Carson Wentz looked amazing the first five, six games last season, at least for rookie standards, right? Now he's looking amazing for regular starting quarterback standards. And I just want to see if they can continue that momentum because there are those kind of quarterbacks that usually are great at the beginning of the season and then tail off a little bit. And I just want to make sure, and I'm hoping, and my prediction is that that Wentz won't be that way, but it it, it will show a lot of growth if he builds off of what he did last year, not just through his play, but also his endurance to last the whole season. I mean, it happened sort of similar last year where Wentz and the Eagles had a good start and then exactly. they sort of tailed off towards right. the end of the year and I think the challenge is make sure it doesn't happen again. Like yeah, you said. And, and last year the big game was when they beat the Steelers. This year it seems like the big game was when they just now beat the Panthers. So let's see how they are ne- the, you know, next week and how they, how they respond going forward. 
Yeah, I agree 100%. And don't forget, they were only a touchdown away from beating the undefeated Chiefs as well. Um, but the thing about them is <clears throat> I the pass defense makes me concerned, especially with Ronald Darby out. Um, yesterday, they actually played really well against Cam. You know, three three interceptions. But uh, I don't know. It does make me a little concerned. Well, so, Devin, do you – sorry, Tom, don't mean to be stepping on no, your toes. But, Devin, tell me, do you think that they, they the, the pass defense was so good because the the rush was so great? Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Because I felt like yeah. that, that really helped out the secondary. And mm-hmm. I think that that's very critical going forward. The defensive strategy is really to rush the passer as much as possible mm-hmm. to help out the secondary, which I think is a no-brainer, but – I mean that's true, yeah. In all of football, I mean you think about the Giants team that won the super, the Giants teams that won the Super Bowls. They didn't have the best second secondary, but their pass rush was so good, right. and it allowed them to not have to blitz a linebacker or two, and they were able to stay back in coverage. That helps the whole secondary when you can have linebackers stay back in coverage. So, I think the defense is. I mean, you have to have a pass rush to win the NFL. I think, oh, absolutely, and the yeah. Eagles definitely have that. And no, they're they're doing everything well, even with Sproles out for the year. Wendell Smallwood is out. He's been out the past couple weeks. We'll see when he ends up coming back, mm-hmm. but. They're able to just next man up mentality, and I think they're they're a really good team and a team to watch. And then on the other side of things, the Carolina Panthers. That was an ugly game for the Panthers. Yeah. I think. I mean, I know obviously the Eagles are a good team. They're now five and one, but it's a game they probably were sort of expected to win. And Cam Newton with those three interceptions, they had to throw the ball fifty two times because Cam had seventy one rushes, but. Outside of Cam, they had 14 carries for 16 total yards, which is brutal. says a lot about that Eagles run defense. But the Panthers have to have offense outside of Cam Newton, and I guess you could say Christian McCaffrey if they want to go anywhere. It's the same problem as last year. Yeah, 100%. I mean, like you said, I mean, the running game was brutal. I mean, when Cam Newton has to basically take over this game and win by himself, it's going to be really tough to win games. And I did see some positive things like how he was able to run the ball uh, yesterday. Um, That's something that I don't think we saw as much in the first few games this year. So that's encouraging to see him kind of getting back to his old self. But I mean, Christian McCaffrey, four for eight yards, he was the leading rusher after Cam that it's going to be tough to win games like that. When I was working on the the upcoming prospects for the 2017 NFL draft, I was very concerned about McCaffrey because I thought he's a great player who only fits in very specific systems. And I, I really wanted teams like the Packers or the Patriots to draft mm-hmm. him. Teams that know what they're doing or have quarterbacks who know what they're doing. And I, as much as I think Cam is great, I'm not really sure that he's he's in a, on a team that that emphasizes the offense as much as it should. I mean, let's just talk about it. Cam Newton's development, I feel, is stunted a little bit because his head coach is a defensive coach. And then you put McCaffrey in, who's somebody who needs to be utilized in a very specific system like he was at Stanford to be as successful as he is. So at that point, is it really worth giving him such a high draft pick? You know, and well, that's, I, I that's mean, what concerns me. You don't think me. he's been worth it so far for the Panthers? Well, the way they're using him, I don't think so. I think that he is worth a first-round pick, but I think they really need to use him in a better fashion. I mean, he had 10 catches yesterday. I mean, but that's great, but for how much, you know? 56 yards on a touchdown. I mean, yeah. But that's what, I mean, we're, I don't know what else, like, in what other team do you think his, his usage should be? Like, if he was on the Patriots, what do you think his average I think if he's like? if he's on the Patriots, he's averaging 70 to, to 80 yards. That's kind of his low. Rushing or receiving? Or total? Uh, just, I think, total, scrimmage and that's fine. Yeah. I mean, for players like McCaffrey, it's more about the scrimmage yards than how you're getting, like a Vereen right. almost. He's like a super Shane, Shane Vereen kind of player, you know, like, he just needs to get that yardage. He can get a couple of touchdowns every like two or three weeks. You know, he'll have a two touchdown game. Um, he he's that he's the in my eyes he's a flex player, but in in like 
actual NFL football, not right. fantasy football, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, that was my concern with McCaffrey as well. I didn't see him as really like a between-the-tackles runner, you know? That's why Jonathan Stewart is still getting so much work. Um, I see him as kind of like, like a Gio Bernard type. I think that if you use him the right way, he can really be a game-breaker, but I just haven't seen it yet. I mean, yeah, I mean, Giovanni Bernard is a great player, but Giovanni's at, at least a little stronger than Christian. I yeah, think Christian no, has agree, insane yeah. speed. People don't realize how fast he is. He has a lot of game speed. I mean, he has Terrell Davis game speed. I mean, it's really, like, pops out. And it, it showed against Stanford. I mean, he was outrunning cornerbacks that had 20 yards of, of, of advantage on him, and he'd still outrun them. He needs to be used in a much more efficient manner. Snake patterns, a lot of out routes. Maybe even down the field passes because he can jump. So they need to do a better job of, of, of utilizing him and they need to try to put him more into I formation packages and less of these like shotgun, you know, run it straight or or do a counter sweep because they're really not working for him because he doesn't have enough protection on that offensive line to get past those the, the, the second level of, of, of the defense. And Cam Newton to stick on another skill player for the Panthers. Had a rough game yesterday, three interceptions. He's always someone that obviously is going to draw a lot of eyes because he's really good. He's also a little controversial off the field or whatever. What do you think of his play yesterday? Do you think it was just a little blip in the radar? Or do you think that it's you know something to be concerned about? Honestly, I, I didn't think he was that bad. The, uh, one he made a couple throws. One interception that was definitely just horrible. That um, made the Eagles secondary look amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but but when you throw the ball fifty-two times. It's gonna be hard not to make mistakes, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, when you put that much on your quarterback, I I, I don't think he was, I didn't think he was that bad. He tried to take control of the game. The Eagles are too good for that. And I like I said, I saw some positive things run, rushing for seventy one yards. I think that he's slowly returning to you know pre uh, back surgery. Yeah, and again, mentioning earlier, I think Cam Newton's development is a little stunted because he has a defensive coach. And these are kind of the instances where an offensive coach would would probably realize that giving Cam the ball that many times and making him throw it that many times is really not working for him. Cam Newton, again, is a very successful quarterback under very specific circumstances. And when you take him out of those circumstances, he becomes very exposed, like anyone else would be when they're not put in the position to succeed. Cam Newton needs to run. And he doesn't need to run in ways where he bulldozes people because that causes injury. Also, Cam Newton doesn't need to overthrow. He needs to do boot routes. He needs to make people guess because he's a very, very accurate on the run. So utilize him in the ways that he's successful. Don't utilize him in ways that he's not successful and try to make him a Tom Brady that he's not. He he's sexier than than the Tom Brady quarterback, the the, the prototypical quarterback. You know, he, a lot of girls he, like Tom Brady, man. Oh well, you know, I mean, I like Tom Brady, even you know, but like my point is <laughs> that like you know Cam Newton as 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 a type of quarterback, it's a lot more entertaining to see him as a player. I that was a good you. joke, Tom. I love that. Thank you. But you know, I, I thought it was good. That really threw me off. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm coming alive, guys. You guys have any last thoughts on the Thursday night game? I mean, it, it, it was. I think that it was a bigger game for the Eagles. I don't think that it shows like that the Panthers are like bad in any way. I think it's just the Eagles are that good. Um, and I think that uh, that's my takeaway from it. And Brandon Graham is actually the MVP of the Eagles. Oh, hundred percent. He's yeah, he's been great. I mean, remember when they drafted him from Michigan? He was all right for like two, three years. Mm-hmm. He's he's like almost all pro, not statistically, yeah. but impact on a team. It's amazing. Yeah, and it's good to have good Thursday night football uh, for a change. So that'll wrap up our talk on Thursday night football. Next, we're going to talk about the Jets-Patriots game. But first, let's get our first fantasy segment of the day with John DeBarro. Who are some of the safest bets in fantasy this week? Here are the players our expert thinks you must start if you're looking to win your matchup. 
Fresh off a bye week, Kirk Cousins is facing a soft 49ers defense at home. Cousins has thrown at least two touchdowns in his last two games, as Terrell Pryor and the entire Washington offense have finally begun to flash some big play potential. Adding to Cousins' upside is his ability to rack up rushing yards with his legs. Also the beneficiary of an ideal matchup is New England running back Mike Gillisley against the Jets. Gillisley has gotten consistent touches with at least 12 carries in every game this season. Expect Tom Brady and the Patriots offense to make frequent trips to the red zone where Gillisley is most effective in goal-to-go situations. Another Patriot that should be in your lineup this week is receiver Danny Amendola. One of Tom Brady's favorite targets, Amendola has filled Julian Edelman's role nicely and should see a lot of underneath targets. And those are your surefire starters for week six. All right, thank you, John, for that fantasy segment. Next, we're going to talk Jets, who are surprising everyone a little bit this season. This can be cut. It doesn't matter. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's I was not like, live, yeah. so. I should talk, so. Well, it's week six, and Wait. the 3-2 and two New York Jets are hosting the 3-2 and two New England Patriots. I meant to put, like, do you have the Jets bumper? Oh. All right. Well, I'll take it back out of out of fantasy, Brick. Yeah. I'm going to go Jets bumper. I'm going to go Jets bumper and then make a comment and then Jets report. All right. Thank you, John, for that fantasy advice. Hopefully we could take that advice and win this week. I'm 2-3 and three in all my leagues, so I'm definitely going to need some help. But we're going to talk about both New York teams. And first, let's talk about the better New York team, as surprising as it may be, the New York Jets. So the Jets, I think, have surprised a lot of people being 3-2, and two, a winning team through five weeks of the season, even though they have had a little bit of an easy schedule. But still, they're beating the teams that they should beat, and that's basically all that you can ask for and we have our Jets beat reporter Matt Murphy with his weekly report so let's take a listen to this week's Jet report with Matt Murphy well it's week six and the three and two New York Jets are hosting the three and two New England Patriots with first place in the AFC East on the line so that's something but let's backtrack to how they got here it's a three-game win streak for gang green quarterback Josh McCown has now won three games in a row as a starter for the first time in his career. The Jets beat the Browns 17-14 on the road this past Sunday in what wasn't the prettiest of football games. Tight end Austin Safarian Jenkins and wideout Jermaine Curse added a touchdown each for the McCown-led bunch. It's a much different test this week against Tom Brady and the defending Super Bowl champions. On Thursday, the Jets dealt with a power outage at the team practice facility, which can only mean one thing. The Patriots are in town. The Pats' D has been miserable for most of the year so far, but then again, the Jets' offense hasn't scored more than 23 points in a game this season. New England also comes in well-rested after beating the Bucks on Thursday Night Football last week. My official prediction is a 33-27 Patriots win. The Jets can score on the Patriots, but in order to do so, they'll need some production from rookie running back Eli McGuire. A McGuire backfield tandem with Matt Forte is likely. But Forte is coming off turf toe, and Bilal Powell is dealing with a calf injury. 
pressure on Brady could key a Jets upset. The 40-year-old has already been hit 32 times over the first five weeks. But the Jets only have seven sacks this year, so continuing their win streak and getting off to a good start on the tougher portion of their schedule will be a battle to say the least. Covering the... I'm Matt Murphy, WFUV Sports. Thanks to Matt for this week's Jets report. Good job by Matt, as always. As he said, playing Patriots this week, both teams at 3-2. and two. Both teams probably surprising 3-2. and two. Jets maybe you think would be a little worse than that. Patriots a little bit better than that. But here they are in the Meadowlands. The Jets always seem to give the Patriots a hard time. What are your guys' thoughts initially on this game? Uh, you know, before the season, I, I was talking to my dad, and I was like, because everybody thought the Jets would go 0-16, you know, but I was like, if you're in that locker room, aren't you going to say, listen, nobody believes in us, let's go, let's go prove them wrong? I mean, and I think that that's what you have. I feel like you have, like, a Jets against the world thing here. And at 3-2, and two, I mean, that's way better than everybody thought at the beginning of the season. Josh McCown has taken care of the ball pretty well. He's been just what they needed, and, um, you know, I think that... I mean, it's the Patriots, so I'm not going to get too crazy. The defense has been extremely uh, vulnerable, to say the least. But, you know, with Brady and Belichick there, it's obviously going to be difficult. But I think that they have a shot. And I think that before the season, that's more than you could have said. So, Devin, let me do you a favor, my friend. All right, so here's what I I thought before the season happened. I was saying this earlier. When a team is overhyped or completely underhyped, whether they think they're going to be totally terrible or totally great, Mm -hmm. usually... That doesn't happen. Yeah. And I was sure that the Jets weren't going to be like that. And, in fact, they're 3-2. and two. I've predicted them to win the last two weeks, and I'm going to predict them to win this game. I'm going to do wow, it for I you, like Devin, because I, I, like I, I know deep inside Devin's like, come on, Jets. Come on. <laughs> oh, 100%. Come on. Tom Brady looks old. Come on. <laughs> the defense looks weak. I really see something there. And, I, John, I know you, you brought up Gillisley, and I think he's going to be good, but I don't think that he's going to be good enough to beat the Jets. I think that the Jets are going to find ways on the defensive end to hurt Tom Brady because it's a rivalry. I mean, I think that, and I hate to break it to you guys, Jets fans, someone picking the Jets, I think the Jets are going to be exposed this week as a bad football team, which I I think they are. I mean, they lost at Buffalo. They got killed at Oakland. I know they're 3-2, and and look, it's beating bad teams is good because it means you're not worse than those bad teams, but they beat Jake Cutler, on the road, Jake Cutler being on the road, Blake Bortles coming into the Meadowlands, and the Cleveland Browns. It's not like they've exactly been through murderer's oh, row of okay. teams. Okay, but, 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 but when we think of the Jaguars, we don't really think of Blake Bortles because no, the way yeah. they've been winning is really without Blake no, I, Bortles, to be honest. And they beat the Steelers, right? I understand that, but I'm saying it's not like the Jaguars are a team that you— f- I mean, I know they are 3-2. and two, I mean, but defensively? Geez. Defensively, they're good. But I, I don't think that the Jets—I mean, I think it's— a big difference between beating the Dolphins, Jaguars, and Browns and beating the New England Patriots. Yeah, no, no, I understand. I'm just messing with you, Tom, because <laughs> I mean, of the, the Tom Brady <laughs> remark. I'm still I'm still scarred by that. Well, too many imagery. <laughs> or, sorry, too much. You you got to play the teams on your schedule, right? And it was, you're a Giants fan, right, Tom? Bill, yeah. Parce- Bill Parcells said uh, your rec- you are what your record says you are, right? The Jets are a 3-2 and two team. And the, the Jaguars have one of the best defenses in the NFL right now, and the Jets put up 23 points on them. When Before the season, we all thought this was going to be a historically bad offense. Um, <clears throat> so I think that they have a shot, this team, against the worst defense in the NFL. Um, and 
you know, playing the, a little better though. They're, they're they were playing good better. Tampa they were good against Tampa, but Jameis Winston was also very poor. Yeah, in that they game. and and also Folk missed three field goals. Remember, yeah, right, I mean, yeah. I mean, the Bucks were the better team in that game, and yeah. they should have won. But it was still an encouraging performance for the Patriots. Oh, absolutely, defense. it was. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I just wanted to say. <clears throat> That I, I expect them to do better this week, and the Jets' defense has actually looked pretty good, especially with Jamal Adams and Marcus May back there. And I just saw this stat. Um, when opposing teams get inside the Jets' 30-yard line, they only score about 60% of the time. So they really tighten up once you get close to the red zone. Um, and I think that that's going to help them in this game. And as long as they can put up points against this terrible defense, they definitely have a shot this week. So yet again, I'm going to mention my rookie report, and that is the Marcus May and Jamal Adams tandem. They were fantastic in college. They're both SEC boys. They really work well together. It was a, There was a lot of talk in training camp. Can they fit well together? And they do because one's a hard-hitting safety and one's more of a pass-defense safety. And they fit very well together. And I think for those reasons, I think they're going to give Tom Brady some fits. And also, if you really look at this team from the rookie perspective, there are other players that are really gritty that can get you some good plays, like Ardarius Stewart, who this past week was okay. He had, like, two rushes for, like, I think, what Devin, I don't remember. It was, like, 20 yards or something yeah, like yeah, that. Something he like was that. okay. But the week before, he had a 25-yard reception, a 32-yard punt return. I mean, Ardarius Stewart's one of those gritty Alabama receivers that isn't a Julio Jones but is a tough guy. And I think that those kind of plays are the plays that win you games by players like Ardarius Stewart, by players that are tough like Jamal Adams, or, or players that are very finesse and very skilled like a Marcus May. And for those reasons, I think the Jets are going to scare the Patriots a little bit. And they're all, it's always a close game in any case. It is. Yeah, it definitely is. And that is something that the Jets have going in their favor, is that they always seem to play the Patriots tough. I mean, even last year and past years where the Jets have been a bad team, they still come up and have big games against the Pats. Whether they win or not, they at least take it down to the wire. But I think the Patriots, I think the defense, I mean, it was so historically bad the first few weeks that I, I just think they're not going to be that bad. Mm -hmm. Bill Belichick is a defensive mind. He'll get his guys to be better. It started last week against Tampa Bay. I think it will continue against Josh McCown and company this week. Also, don't forget Bilal Powell may be out. He's a game-time decision. He's been a big help for this offense. I know Eli McGuire is someone that's been good, but still, Powell is... Uh, you know, an effective running back that helps them. I just think the Patriots are too much. Gronkowski is back for them, too. I think it could be a, a relatively close game. I mean, maybe the Jets will cover the spread. It's a nine-and-a-half point spread right now. But I think the, the Pats will win by, like, a touchdown. Or so I just think they're just a far superior team. And I think that it, they're not going to sleepwalk uh, into this matchup as maybe they have in past years because they are only a three-and-two team. Yeah, I agree. I don't. I I think that they're definitely going to be ready for the Jets. I'd expect that out of the Patriots, but <clears throat> I think that for the Jets to win, they're going to need a lot of production out of Austin Safarian Jenkins. Um, <clears throat> he's been a great, great help this season, especially since the Jets in years past have really not had a tight end, which I think is a crucial, crucial yeah. part of your team in today's NFL. Um, <clears throat> so I actually wasn't a big fan of the signing at first. You know, I felt like this guy didn't really have control of his life, two DUIs. But coming into the season, slimmed down 30 pounds. He's sober now. He's been a great great talent even in Tampa Bay and I think that if he can take control of this game against a team that's already given up four touchdowns to tight ends I think that we could put up some points and you know we have basically two fantasy experts here you know John and Devin and Devin brings up a great point you know like Safarian Jenkins was a great player coming into the draft two what was it two years ago I think the 2015 draft and you know, he, he had so many substance abuse issues. He had the DUIs. He really didn't get together with the Bucks, unfortunately. But you know what? 
the dysfunctional Jets locker room suddenly found some function, and and he's he's flourishing. And I think he's the 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 key player to the game because he I, he'll let players like our Darius Stewart do well. He'll let he'll he'll let also the the I'm sorry I'm forgetting Elijah the the McGuire, the McGuire, yeah. McGuire yeah. to 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 run more because of that that. In the middle of, of of the down the field, but in more of the middle zone, the tight end like Severian John, uh, Jenkins is going to expose the Patriots defense mm-hmm. a little bit. I'm all in on the ASJ hype train. Some are one on one. I'm going to toot my own horn here a little bit. Uh, we were talking to Matt Murphy, and I said, fantasy wise, I like Safarian Jenkins a lot because the Jets don't have a lot of receiving options, and McCown's a guy that always throws to his tight end. Even right. when he was on Cleveland, he hit Gary Barnage a bunch. So I think that he's been he's been good. He's had I think it's six catches last week and. Yeah. Had a touchdown, so I think that he is a good player. I think he's a guy you want to start in fantasy. I don't think he's enough to beat the New England Patriots, but I, I do think. I mean, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I mean, the Jets have surprised everyone so far, but I think this is sort of the week where they are a little bit exposed. So let's get an official prediction from everyone before we uh, move on. I'm gonna go with uh, with my Jets. I'm gonna go 24-20. I'm glad okay. I convinced you. Wow. <laughs> I, I just inspire people. I'm going to go with a really close game, like 27 to 21. They're going to miss a, an extra point. I know the Jets will. They'll, they'll do something like that. But you're, you're both picking the Jets. Wow. Yeah. Well, I'm going with, with Matt. He picked the Patriots, too. I think the Patriots will win. I just think they're too good. Like I said, I think this is the week that the Jets get exposed a little bit. I'm going to say the Pats win 31-24. And they say. have the sexy quarterback, right, Tom? They That's do. Right. <laughs> Not as sexy as Cam Newton, though. Apparently. Oh, right, of course. So I, I say Pats win. It's tastes. Tastes. <laughs> exactly. 31-24, but hey, Jets have proven everyone wrong. Maybe I'll be proven wrong again. Next up, we're going to be talking about the Giants. Who would have thought that in week six we'd be talking about the 3-2 and two Jets and 0-5 Giants and not the <laughs> other way around? And we'll hear Tommy Aldridge's report, but first... Already heard some guys to start this week from John. Let's hear some guys that you should leave on your bench in our next fantasy segment with John DeBarro. Predicting this week's fantasy duds is just as important as picking this week's fantasy studs. Here's who our expert thinks you should sit this week. The Raiders feel confident enough to start Derek Carr this week off a back injury, but he's best left on fantasy benches for week six. The Chargers secondary would be an enticing matchup for a healthy Derek Carr, but with his effectiveness in doubt and the risk of re-injury against a solid pass rush featuring Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram, he's a risky fantasy play. Also returning from injury this week is Packers running back Ty Montgomery, who is still recovering from broken ribs. Even if Montgomery is healthy enough to take on a full workload, Green Bay may opt to feature Aaron Jones, who had an impressive showing last week against Dallas. Leave Montgomery on your bench as the Packers backfield sorts itself out. If Sammy Watkins was in your fantasy lineup last week, You may have been left wondering if he even suited up for the Rams after posting zero catches against Seattle. Don't give Watkins the chance to let you down again this week as the Rams travel to Jacksonville to face an outstanding Jaguars secondary. With this tough matchup and a disappearing role in LA's offense, Watkins should stay on your bench until he shows more consistency. And those are some guys you should steer clear of in fantasy this week. All right, John, thanks a lot. If you are a fantasy owner with any of those guys, leave them on your bench. Do you feel pressure, John? You're being called a fantasy expert in these segments. Do you feel pressure to be right? I think there's always pressure to be right, but I think everyone is under the understanding that fantasy is probably 90% luck. You never really know week to week, but you try pick the data, pick the right evidence, and you just try to make the informed decisions. All right, it's a new bumper this year, and it's, like I said, it's my first NFL Friday this year, and Furlong introducing you as an expert. I was like, wow. Like, <laughs> I like the is, title, that's some for pressure. sure. Yeah, definitely. Hey, I'm 4-1, so maybe I am an expert. <laughs> wow, not, not to brag. All right, so 
We finished talking Jets. We'll talk about the ugly side of New York football, the 0-5 New York Giants. To say this season has been a disappointment for Giant fans like Mir, myself, is an understatement. I mean, they came in with Super Bowl aspirations. JPP, I think in July or somewhere around then, said that they could actually go undefeated. Now they'd be lucky to win a game. So before we get into that and, and talk about the monstrosity that is the New York Giants, let's hear from our very own Giants beat reporter, Tommy Football, Tommy A, the big blue guru, whatever you want to call him, Tommy Aldridge. We gather here today to lay to rest and mourn the premature passing of the 2017 New York Giants. It is up to us, the living, to here and now commit this season's playoff aspirations to the ground. Earth to earth, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. But in the sure and certain hope that resurrection is possible in future seasons. It happened in the fourth quarter. The Giants had the ball and a pulse when in two consecutive plays, fans watched their last remaining hopes and dreams crumble into oblivion. New York's heart was first ripped from it when Odell Beckham fell awkwardly to the ground, breaking his leg and putting him out for the season. But the fatal blow came on the very next play when the brain trust of the operation, quarterback Eli Manning, fumbled the ball and gave it to the Chargers with just enough time on the clock for them to score a game-winning touchdown. And with that, the 2017 New York Giants lost their best player on the roster and fell to 0-5 in a flash of a second against a team that was just as bad, if not worse, than New York coming into the game. Culminate that with some locker room drama this week between head coach Ben McAdoo and all-pro cornerback and team leader Dominique Rodgers-Cromartie, and you have all the makings of a sinking ship. Likely without their top three wide receivers this week, all gone to injury, it is a bleak matchup that these ghastly Giants will face on Sunday night in Denver as the league's best defense, with Vaughn Miller as the leader, will look to feast against a depleted and already struggling New York offense. Covering the Giants, I'm Tommy Aldridge, WFUV Sports. All right, thank you to Tommy Aldridge. I, I loved that report. I mean, the funeral music in the beginning, I think that was super creative. And I'm going to selfishly say here, I got to cover the Giants last year. I did these reports on NFL Friday. I got to cover an 11-5 football team that went to the playoffs. <laughs> I'm glad I got them last year. I'm sorry that Tommy is stuck with the team that may be lucky to win three games at this point. But, my God, are things bad? Yeah, yeah, it's they definitely are bad. Um, and just taking a look at the schedule, I mean, they play the Broncos this week. Next week they play the Seahawks. After that they play the Rams, who have been very good. Oh, man, I hate I mean, the Rams. Any, <laughs> I stand the Rams. Anything could happen in football, but it wouldn't be crazy to see this team leave that Rams, Rams game at 0-8. <laughs> all right, Devin, look. All right, man. This, yeah. All right, let's, let's, let's You're just right, but say I just can't it as it is. I, I did you a favor, right? I helped you out with the Jets. Now you're going to trash on my Giants Motor. like that? All right. <laughs> Meanwhile, Reed, the producer in the background, is dancing to this this funeral music for me. I mean, It's a, okay. patriot, a bitter Patriot I'm, fan. J- I'm joking, yeah. No, was, okay, so of course Tommy was fantastic. Um, 
as a Giants fan, I I don't think they're winning this game. I think this is the 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 game that they have the most chance to win of the next three games. This game, you think? Of all the three, yeah, I just I think so because you know when it when a team is beaten down so much with injuries and everybody's doubting them, making fun of them on Facebook and Twitter with memes, usually they kind of come alive a little bit. Um, again, like I said three weeks ago. Give Wayne Gallman the ball in the rookie report. Yeah. I just wrote in all caps. Give Gallman the ball. He's been really good. Just, I mean, he he can't really do everything for a team or for an offense if you only give him 15 touches in a game. I mean, he he had like 70 yards total from scrimmage. I mean, how much more do you need to give him? And that's with a bad offensive line, and he's a rookie. Give Gallman the ball. If you give Gallman the ball, Broncos are gonna lose. I, I I don't know about that. Just giving Gallman the ball alone, you think it'd be enough to beat Denver? No, I meant if they just give him the ball more, they're they're gonna have the, the enough offense. I mean, they to... have to give somebody the ball, right? <laughs> I mean, they have no. Well, they want to give it to Darkwell so much. He's injured. Let's see who they're yeah. gonna give the ball instead this time instead of Wayne. Yeah, I I mean I I know you I don't think the Giants have a shot to win this game. I mean, I know the Giants are sort of a weird team where they win unexpected games, lose unexpected games, but. I mean, going to Denver, it's so tough to play in Denver for whatever reason, but they always seem to have a huge home field advantage, and that defense is unbelievable. Who, I mean, Eli, I don't know how he's going to complete more than, like, 14 pass. I mean, probably he's going to have to throw, like, 50 times, but I, I think that's going to be an ugly, <laughs> ugly game. I mean, I know the Giants' defense has been disappointing this season, but it's not as much of a disaster as the offense, so maybe they could contain the Broncos' offense, which is a little spotty. I mean, it's not, you know, the best they're really carried by mm-hmm. their defense, but... I guess the Giants' best chance to win is to try to keep it a low-scoring game and pull something out late, but I don't see how the Giants score more than, like, and 17 points is a lot. I don't see how they score more than 17 points against this Denver defense. I think, like, 10 is a fair estimate. Yeah. No, I agree. Um, And I agree that Wayne Gallman needs to get the ball in this game, 100%. The thing is, this Denver defense, obviously we all know about the all-world secondary, but their run defense has been really improved this year so far. And that's without yeah. Shane Ray. That's, without what's, so Shane Ray. Sh- that's what's so shocking. About yeah, it. yeah. So I don't know how, how much damage Wayne Gallman's going to be able to do behind that line against that Broncos defensive line. <clears throat> but um, like you said, I mean, when you have nothing going for you and you have all these injuries, people are making fun of you. Crazy things tend to there happen. You, go, Devin. you know, on. I agree a hundred percent. It's just, it's just really deflating to see Odell go down for the year. Marshall hasn't been what you thought he would be, He's down but for the year, to anyway. see him go down for the year. Sterling Shepard had an ankle sprain, I think. I mean, really, all you have is your rookie tight end, who's basically a wide receiver, and Evan Ingram, who's and, been pretty good. Oh, a hundred percent. He's been good, um, but. I just don't know where you're going to find the pieces to beat this Broncos team, especially when the offense has looked improved this year. If Eli throws more than 40 throws, Giants are going to lose, hands down. His record for – it's a weird number, but it's for more than 42 throws, he's he's like 300 percent win percentage when when the giant well, when he throws in more than 42 times i think there's a correlation i don't think they i don't think they lose because he throws a lot i think he throws a lot because they're losing you know what i'm I mean? just saying i find that interesting yeah but i think no, that I, the in, case his, with him, in his career he's had a lot of options he's had yeah, shockey he, he steve has. smith but I, I, I think that eli's gonna have to throw a lot just because i think they're gonna get down a lot i mean you kind of i mean obviously if you're not down one score you don't abandon the running game but Probably those games where they've lost, they've probably been down two or three scores, which could be the case this week. But I, I'm totally with both you guys on uh, Wayne Gallman. I liked him a lot in at Clemson, liked him a lot in the draft, and he, he's looked pretty good so far. And Dar- uh, Paul Perkins was 
just abysmal, like almost shockingly ineffective. Like I, I can't even believe how bad that he was. Orleans Darkwa is, eh, I mean, still nothing to get excited about. He's out anyway, so it should be, you think, the Wayne Gallman show. I'd like to see him get 15 to 20 touches, but I don't think he'd be enough to to get past, I mean, to beat the Broncos alone. I mean, I just don't know. Who who is Eli going to throw it? I mean, Evan Ingram, I guess, but... Well, so are the top three receivers. I mean, Tavares King. Uh, it's gonna be. It's gonna be ugly. So, since you're a Giants fan, and speaking of abandonment, uh, what are you gonna do about Dominique Rogers Camardi? I want him I, gone. I want McAdoo gone. I, I want both <laughs> of them gone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that it's more. I mean, look, yeah, it's not a great um, situation. Obviously, we're not as informed on it as the guys in the clubhouse, and there's probably some other stuff going on that we don't know about. But I sort of look at it as him. I don't know if I want to use the word revolting, but at least rebelling rebelling against Ben McAdoo. I don't think it's him abandoning the team as much as it is him abandoning the coaching. Do you agree with that? My thing is, if y'all don't like your coach, y'all are team. Like you don't you don't bail on each other. You know, I I don't like that. That's fair, but I I don't I wouldn't have done it. I don't think he should have done it. But the only reason I like it is because I think it should be a message to the front office that while people really hate McAdoo, we're zero five. Like we should definitely get rid of this guy. So the reason that I selfishly like the moves, I'm like, hey, well maybe they'll finally agree. Well, we have to get rid of McAdoo at the end of the season or tomorrow. I mean, the thing is, they need him this week. You know, they need him, and for him to they're do not going to win anyway. You never know. <laughs> Weird things happen in football. I'm making the, Devin the, a Giants the, and Jets fan. The, it's beautiful. I, My witchcraft I, is hey, just amazing. I've never hated the Giants. I mean, two great Super Bowl wins over the Patriots. I, I love that. Okay, I'm just hexing so, him. Everyone. I'm hexing <laughs> but, him. But <laughs> but the th- the thing is, they 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 needed him this Sunday. You know, so I don't like that. I feel like in a way, even if it's unintentional, you're leaving your team. You know, and at, when you're 0 and five after the aspirations they had before the season, does it really reveal anything about McAdoo that we didn't already know? Wasn't he already on the hot seat? You know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> so that's the problem that I have with it. Um, yeah, I mean, and and this Sunday, <clears throat> just getting back to the game a little bit, um, the Broncos' one loss came against the Bills, who have zero receivers. So even though the Giants the game was a, in Buffalo, though. It, it, it was, was in Buffalo. It was in Buffalo. But the Giants are kind of in a similar in spot. September. It's in not September, like that yeah. cold. <laughs> the Gi- no, but I'm saying it, it's one thing playing on the road versus at home. Oh, I, I agree 100%. But the Giants have a similar situation where they have a very good tight end who could take advantage of that Broncos D that has been weak against tight end. So I, don't, I wouldn't think it's crazy to see them put up some points and sneak one out because their defense is good and has been underperforming. I, I know, but I mean – the. It's not just, like I know everyone's talking about the Odell and the wide receiver injuries, but Casillas is out. Olivier Vernon yeah. is out. That's going to hurt the pass rush and the run defense. Okwara is out. Weston Richburg is out, who's been a great center for them. So Eli's going to be under more pressure than he usually is. He's not going to have a lot of guys to get the ball out to. I I just don't. I mean, like I said, anything can happen, but I mean, this, I, th- I think it's going to be an ugly game for the Giants. Yeah. Well, don't forget about Tomlinson, the the D lineman that that we got in the draft for um, from Alabama. Yeah. yeah, I mean he's he's been pretty good, and I think I think Vernon has been coaching him up during games because he looked great last yeah. week. 100%. I mean, I know that the, the the Giants defense doesn't look awesome, but there are players that are pretty good on that team that did look pretty good. They're not looking good as a whole. And to your point, Tom, I mean, I. I can't take it anymore with McAdoo. I really didn't like how he called out Eli. I yeah, I'm, I mean, and and Devin, you're right. Like, does are we really surprised? I mean, that, you probably made the best point in this whole pod. It's like, does does this season actually surprise us that McAdoo could? Sorry to say this, screw this up. You know, what I mean, like, is it is it kind of a surprise because 
it's one thing to be a good coach. It's another thing that you're a good coach, but you're calling out your team and it's not productive. And and people are bailing. Yeah, well, that's what I mean. I think, like like you said, 0-5. I mean, obviously, McAdoo's on the hot seat. But I think it's one thing to coach a bad team. And it's another thing to have locker room turmoil. I mean, you yeah. think about there are scenarios where you're on bad teams, but still the teams will rally around their co- – I mean, look what look at to switch sports a little bit. I mean, I know the Yankees are in the playoffs, but they rallied around Joe Girardi after that mm-hmm. mistake when everyone was calling for his head. No one's rallying around Ben McAdoo, as far as we could tell, in the Giants' locker room. And I think that that's telling. In addition to being a bad coach with the X's and O's and having them at 0-5, he also doesn't have great control of the locker room. And I think that that's why it's important that this did happen because it shows that he's pretty bad on all fronts, and that, I think, will speak a lot to the front office. All I got to say about about McAdoo is the only thing that rallying around McAdoo right now is his hair. All right, that's the only thing that's rallying around. Benny him. with the good hair, he's got he. I mean, the slicked back hair. I mean, maybe that's the problem. I don't Last know what year it he is. had whatever it, haircut it doesn't that look was. Like hair. Look weird, man. The <laughs> slicked weird. back hair. Maybe no one's talking about that. Maybe that's why the Giants are zero five. <laughs> All right, uh, and then just I mean, real quickly on Odell, I'm gonna I'm gonna pose this question to you because there's questions about what's Odell's future with the Giants, even questions about what's Eli's future with the Giants. Do you think a trade to Jacksonville? Or anywhere is it all a remote possibility, like it's being rumored? All right, so I'm I'm already prepping for the draft in October because I'm already writing like the 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 article for next week on the top 32 prospects, and I'm not in love with this QB draft class. I think it's not as good as people think. But players like a Will Greer is a great value pick as a as a late first round pick, probably mid first round pick, just because he's a QB is going to go a little higher. So. I mean, I really love Eli, you know, like he, he drives me nuts, but like he won his two Super Bowls, you know, would the Jaguars be happy to have Eli? Yes. And, and do they have the offensive line to protect Eli? No. So I'm not really sure if the Jaguars are going to pull that, pull the trigger on that one because Eli with a bad offensive line really folds more than most, I think. Um, but if he goes to the Jaguars, I, I really think the Giants should take Will Greer in the draft. Yeah. I, I, I would get Orlando Brown. First five picks, great offensive lineman from Oklahoma, best offensive lineman in the last three years, at best prospect because Larry Tunsil was good, but he's like a cleaner prospect, no problems in, in his background. And then, you know, get back into the first round, get Will Greer, and, and you're going to be good. I mean, I think that – well, Devin, you go ahead first. I don't no. want to give my thoughts. I mean, I mean, like like you said, you, you definitely have to focus on offensive line this offseason. That's obviously the biggest problem. Um, they but, haven't addressed the offense. It's been bad forever, been bad. and they just were like, "Oh, let's just not change it, and, and maybe it'll just be good." This as year. A, remember when bizarre. the Giants had David Deal? Remember those good old <laughs> yeah. days? It was great. That's, what? That's how they what won the two Super happened? Bowls. I mean, I mean, <laughs> it's just it's just unreal. As a unit, I think Jerry that, Reese needs to go too. By the way, while we're on the subject, I think even more so than Ben McAdoo. I mean, how can you just ignore an offensive line in today's NFL or in the NFL ever? But aside from that, um, <clears throat> I think the trade to Jacksonville makes a lot of sense. Um, but for the Giants, if you can beef up that offensive line for next season with the defense you already have, that defense before the season, I think, was a championship caliber defense. All the questions were on the offense. Um, and Eli is pr- probably a future Hall of Fame quarterback. He's still the same Eli, I think, that we've seen in years past. In that, look back to that Eagles game. The Eagles are 5 and 1, they're a good team. Eli brought them back with a flurry of touchdown passes late in the game. He's still that clutch quarterback that we've always known. He, he'll make those those bad decisions with interceptions, but he's clutch, which is one of the most important things that a quarterback can be. So I'm not ready to give up on him yet. I think it's everything around him in the offense that is making it so bad. Yeah, I, I don't. Th- the Giants can't trade Eli. They can't. No. I mean, he's too much of a legendary figure and an icon. I mean, 
The trains at Jacksonville too. I mean, you really want to talk about a slap in <laughs> the Tom face? Tom really <laughs> hates the Jaguars. No, but I mean to go <laughs> put them the in Texas, North Florida. You know, I mean, is there a least desirable <laughs> destination? <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't think that he could be traded. I think that they should. I don't say you're not crazy. I like Sam Darnold, uh, even though he's had some. Not that we want to talk too much about like cod football prospects, but I think Sam Darnold is good. I think rough few weeks. I think they should. It doesn't mean anything. I think they should draft him. Or Josh Rosen, whatever. I mean, th- Rosen there are guys is the that next are... Jay Cutler, man. All right, well, whatever. I'm just saying, there are guys that I, I'm not a Rosen Jets fan Jets are going to get Josh Rosen. I really That's hope they get. don't. <laughs> there <laughs> are guys really that are going to do the scouting and know better than me, but I just think that they should draft because I don't think the Giants are. They had a really tough schedule, and I, I said this the other day. I think that there's a comparison to be made between the 2017 Giants and the 2016 Jets, where both came in with high aspirations high aspirations, but were really killed by a brutal schedule to start the season. The Jets started 1-5 and five last year. The Giants would be lucky to start 1-5 and five this year. So I think that there are similarities to be made, but I don't think the Giants are, like, done forever. I mean, I think there still is a, a decent young core in there. Richburg, Pew on the offensive line, some defensive pieces like Tomlinson. I mean, Eli Apple has been disappointing, but Landon Collins and, you know, Odell will be back next year. So I don't think they should totally tear it down yet. I think McAdoo should be gone. I think the front office should be uh, purged. But I think that uh, you you draft a quarterback because who knows when the Giants are going to have another top pick. So I think they should use this time to draft the next Eli Manning. But you still give Eli another couple years while he does have these pieces in place because they're going to have an easy schedule next year. I think there's no reason to say they can't bounce back next year. But I don't think it's time to completely clean house as far as the players go. I think where they should clean house is the coaching staff and the front office. 100%. So let me ask you this, Tom, because I mentioned this earlier saying, you know, they take Orlando Brown, Will Greer. If the Giants have two first-round picks because they trade back into the first round, knowing if that's the Giants' game plan, right, after they take an offensive lineman, which they're going to take Orlando Brown because he's he's solid, if they, if, if, they're, if they have this plan in mind to trade back in. If you trade back in, are you okay with taking a quarterback in the middle of the first round and having offensive linemen? Or in your eyes, Tom, do you think Giants should absolutely get a quarterback and then that's it for the first round? I mean, it's tough to say. I don't know. I don't follow like college football scouting as, as closely as you do or maybe some other people no, do. No, I, I mean the sense of, well, think of it from this perspective, like the team needs. Right, but I'm, I don't know who's going to be like. If you could tell me that Darnold or Rosen, which I don't think they I'm will telling be, you right or somebody, now, Darnold and Rosen they're are not, not available at at 15. They're not going to be able at 15. Giants are also going to be lower than 15. I think they're going to be probably top 10. Like, but like, oh, for, yeah. I think they're going to be like three. And and I and I also think that that Darnold absolutely needs to like absolutely needs to come back because he's folding under pressure. He's he's really just like come apart. It's, it's pretty bad. Rosen's looking like a little better. Then there's like Josh Allen, but he's looked really bad against D1 competition, so it's kind of like tough to say. But I'm asking you from a perspective of giant needs, do you really think it's very important to get a quarterback if you're in that top five pick or the offensive line? I mean, I think for next year's Giants, yeah. it's more important to get an offensive lineman. But I just think quarterback, I mean, no matter how people want to slice it, you're not going to win a Super Bowl unless you have a good quarterback. And All right. what dooms teams for for years is that they never have a good quarterback the Giants have been lucky enough to have Eli Manning and who knows if the Giants one Eli Manning retires or whatever happens whatever his time with the Giants ends who knows when it is that they'll have a chance to get a good quarterback and 
like I said, I don't know the tape enough for Donald and Rosen, but if people are going to say, say he has a good rest of the season, Sam Donald, and he has a good pro day and combine and everything, and everyone says, all right, he is the next guy, I don't think you can miss the opportunity to find the next franchise quarterback. I think you can get, I think you could fix the offensive line. I think there'll be more opportunities to find the next great offensive tackle. Devin, you Here's my thing. I think that you need to absolutely focus on the offensive line for the future before the quarterback, because let's say you draft that quarterback. You need the offensive line in order to develop, it, to develop him. An offensive line makes good players great, okay? They make your players better. But a bad offensive line will make everybody around them worse. Look at Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott last year, both extremely talented players. But if you don't think that that ridiculous offensive line made them way better, then you're kidding yourself. They were able to develop so much because of that ridiculous offensive line. And also remember, junior quarterbacks don't do well. And I don't want to mention them, but I got them. I mean, Mark Sanchez. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You know, also, what if what if you got Eli for one more year, right? And you want the court, like, the. I'm not I'm not trying to rag on you, Tom, by the way. I'm just saying. Like, no, 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 I'm not if, saying if I you dis- got If you got, like, Sam Darnold waiting for an entire meeting, you're going to have another Jared Goff situation. I mean, just... I don't know. It just doesn't work. If if they're gonna get if they're gonna get a quarterback, they're gonna have to trade Eli, in my opinion. I I don't disagree on the offensive line parts, but you need a great offensive line. I just think it's easier to build a good offensive line than it is to find a franchise That's quarterback. That's true. Yeah. That's I my. Agree with that. And we we got to wrap up. So quick pick for this week. I think the Broncos win by a lot, a couple touchdowns. I'm going Giants by three. Wow. I'm gonna go Broncos <laughs> by ten. Okay. So that will wrap up our Giants segment. We're getting to our pick 'em. John will join us for that. But first, let's get the final fantasy segment of the day with John DeFaro. Nailing sleeper picks is a surefire way to get your team a victory. Here are some players that fantasy owners are currently overlooking. Colts quarterback Jacoby Brissett draws a nice matchup against a beatable Tennessee defense that just two weeks ago was lit up by the Houston Texans to the tune of 57 points. Brissett has developed a nice rapport with deep threat T.Y. Hilton and is capable of racking up points on the ground as well with three rushing touchdowns so far this season. With Adrian Peterson shipped off to Arizona, rookie Saints running back Alvin Kamara should see a major role this week against Detroit. A favorite of coach Sean Payton, Kamara thrives as a pass catcher, which bodes well for his playing time and production in what should be a high-scoring affair. Another player that should see an uptick in production because of game flow is Jets receiver Jermaine Kearse. Expect the Jets to be playing from behind and look to exploit a shaky Patriots pass defense that has been vulnerable to big plays downfield and ranks in the bottom five of defenses and fantasy points allowed to receivers. And those are some sneaky starts that can give your team the edge this week. All right, John, thank you for that fantasy report. And you can now keep your mic on because you'll join us for our Pick'em segment, the final segment of the show. Let's look into the crystal ball for some weekly NFL predictions. All right, guys, here we are. We'll see who could win this week. I like that we've been doing the Twitter graphics and stuff with all our picks. I'm pumped to win. Hopefully win. Hopefully beat all you guys. Let's start off. We're not going to do our Giants, or we will include our Giants and Jet picks, I guess. You guys picked the Jets. I picked the Patriots, and then me and Devin picked the Broncos, and Mir picked the Giants. All right, Cleveland and John, let's get your pick just real quick on those two games. I'll go with the Patriots, and I'll go with Denver. All right. First game of the week, Cleveland at Houston. Houston, a big favorite. I think they'll take care of business. I'm picking the Texans. I'm going Texans as well. Deshaun Watson's been phenomenal. Yeah, go with the Texans as well. 
they lost Merciless and J.J. Watt, but Deshaun, I mean, I say he's, he's going to make them Super Bowl contenders, so I got to go with the Texans. All right, next up, Miami at Atlanta. I'm taking the Falcons. I don't think Jay Cutler can go to Atlanta and win. I think Falcons coming off a bye should be an easy win for Atlanta. I'm taking the Falcons as well. That offense looks lost. Yeah, Jay Cutler just won't be able to keep up with the Falcons offense. They're going to score a lot of points. I like the Falcons. Falcons are a streaky team. I've never been a big believer in them. I think they'll squeak by a win in this one, but it'll be closer than people think. All right, next up, Detroit at New Orleans. Saints are actually four-point favorites in this one, but I like Detroit. I think the Saints are a bad team. They're always sort of overrated in the public's mind. I think the Lions are a good football team. I think they win this one. I'm going to take Detroit as well. I think that Saints defense is a little better than people uh, talk about, but Detroit is a very good team. I'm going to go Lions. Surprised the Saints are favored in this one, but maybe that means that home environment in the, the Superdome is coming back. I don't know. If they get loud in there, I think the Saints could pull out a win in a close one. Kenny Vaccaro has been looking great for the Saints, and he's, he's kind of turned around his career, but Stafford looks like he's in this prime, and he's just been great the last year and a half. So I'm going to go with the Lions, but it'll be close. All right, next up, Green Bay at Minnesota, NFC North matchup. I'm going to go with Aaron Rodgers. I, I just I know Minnesota's playing pretty well, but I think Aaron Rodgers will show who's still king of the North. If <laughs> I'm going to go Packers. I think if Aaron Rodgers played every drive like there was a minute left in the game, they'd never stop scoring. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's so hard to bet against Aaron Rodgers. And with the Vikings starting Case Keaton this week, I don't think he's going to outduel Aaron, so go with the Packers. Vikings were lucky to beat the, 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 the Bears, so, you know, I don't think they're very good this year. Going with the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is heating up. All right, next up, Chicago and Mitchell Trubisky against the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. Ravens have been streaky this year, but I think they get the win against the rookie quarterback, taking Baltimore by a touchdown. I'm going to go Chicago here. I don't think that the Ravens' uh, run defense has been great, and I think Jordan Howard could take care of this game. Yeah, so Steeler fan, I remember Jordan Howard just running all over the Pittsburgh defense. <laughs> I don't see why you can't do the same to the Ravens defense and give Trubisky that help he needs. So I like the Bears in this one as well. Eddie Jackson is a shutdown safety for the Bears. Nobody's button talking about him. He's going to pick off a Flacco, and Trubisky's going to continue to get better. Bears win. The only one taking a seven-point home favorite. I'll, I'll take that. That's one win for me <laughs> on all Joe you guys. Flacco, bro. Come on. San Francisco at Washington. Pretty easy pick here for me. I'm taking Kirk Cousins. I am a Kirk Cousins believer, and San Francisco stinks. Captain Kirk all the way. Yeah, is this Kirk's uh, addition for the 49ers? Potentially, he may want to show uh, <laughs> he may want to show a uh, good showing for his future team. So yeah, I like the Redskins as well. Yeah, it'll be his pro day, and I, I know Devin is worried about Carlos Hyde. He's not in the game for whatever reason. He looks great for the 49ers, but he's not going to be in. So Kirk Cousins and the Redskins win. Rams at Jacksonville, a battle of unlikely three and two teams. I'm actually going to need a second to think about this one, so I'm let you guys pick first. I'm going to go Rams. I think that they're a more well-rounded team. Yeah, I trust Sean McVay to figure out that Jaguars defense, so I like the Rams too. Wait, so Tom was hating on the Jaguars. Now he's thinking about it. I'm going with the Jaguars. <laughs> I'm actually going to take – I'm taking the Jags too. I know I was hating on them, but you know what? Rams flying across country and, and Jacksonville playing pretty well, coming off a big one. I think they'll be able to ride Leonard Fournette to a W. Next up, Tampa Bay at Arizona. I love going against Carson Palmer. He stinks. The Cardinals are always overrated. Famous Jameis all day. Buck up. I'm going to go Buccaneers as well. I think I like Arizona in this one. Maybe Adrian Peterson uh, turns back the clock. <laughs> yeah, don't forget about all day. I'm feeling so bad for him. His season's yeah. getting from bad to worse. Going to the to the Cardinals, I mean, come on. That's even worse than being on the Saints and sitting on the bench. Look, I'm going to go with the Bucs, but this is going to be an ugly game. 
The Bucks. Bucks. Yeah, yeah, okay. I'm going with Bucks. Um, yeah. All right, next up, Pittsburgh at Kansas City. This should be a really, really good football game. Two good teams. I'm taking. Ooh, I don't know. I was just. I think actually Pittsburgh may win this one. I I, I know that everyone's going to pick Kansas City, but Pittsburgh's coming off a tough loss. I think it's a good bounce back spot. I'm really sorry, John, but I just think that the Pittsburgh offense has not looked good with Big Ben there. I'm going to go Chiefs. Yeah, I think it's a prove-it game for both teams, for the Steelers to prove that they're the team they're supposed to be in the AFC, and for the Chiefs to prove that they're that one-seed type of team and get over that Steelers hump, because the Steelers have seemed to own them the last few years, but it pains me to do it, but I like the Chiefs, but in a close one. I don't know, Tom, are you trying to copy me? I'm going with the Steelers. I'm, I'm all about I the momentum. I think you're trying to copy me. And lo- no, listen, <laughs> I was the Jaguars guy, homeboy. <laughs> all right, next up, Chargers at Oakland. Uh, we don't know about Carr yet for sure, right? Uh, I'm still going to take Oakland just at home. I think even the defense could be good enough. I'll, I'll take the Raiders. I think that the Chargers are one of the better 1-4 teams I've seen, but in <laughs> Oakland, I'm going to go Raiders. <laughs> yeah, it's time for the Raiders to get in gear. If they're serious about making the playoffs, and I think the Chargers gives them a good opportunity to do that. Yeah, so are the Chargers serious about making the playoffs against the Raiders, so they're going to win it. All right, final game of the week, Colts at Titans on Monday Night Football. Unsure on Marcus Mariota. Either way, I like the Titans. Uh, I think Mariota will play even if he doesn't. I mean, the Colts are pretty bad. It's in Tennessee, primetime game. I like the Titans to win it. Big game from DeMarco Murray. I agree 100%. Titans all the way. Titans are another team that were really hyped in the preseason, but they haven't really lived up to that. Maybe the Colts gives them an opportunity to do that. I like the Titans. Never a big believer in Mariota. Thought he was great his freshman year, but that's about it. Um, y'all are making it so tough. We don't know yet what's going to happen. I'm I'm going to go with the Colts. I really like Jacoby Brissett. All right, so we definitely have a diverse panel of picks here. I don't wish you guys the best of luck. I hope that I win. And uh, Yeah, big you week better hope also, that I win too. <laughs> I, I'm one of just four people left in my survivor pool. $1,200 pot, and I don't know. I'm deciding between Atlanta and... Uh, or it's picking a survivor pool for those that don't know. You pick a team each week, and they have to win. You can only mm-hmm. use them once a season. Uh, I'm going to either decide between Atlanta, Houston, who's home against Cleveland, or Denver this week, home against my Giants. I'm unsure, but I'm, I'm rooting for myself. I'm also still left in my survivor pool, and I'm going Houston this week. Don't okay. go against your Giants. Come on. <laughs> well, I, it's more H- Atlanta or Houston. Yeah, I got but, you. Um, all right, guys, thanks for a good show. I had fun. Any, any last thoughts from anybody? Go Jaguars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and give Wayne Gallman the ball. 100%. Yeah, this has been a blast. Yeah. Tom might have picked the Broncos, but he wants the Jaguars to win. <laughs> I actually don't. I almost, at this point, I'd rather just have a higher draft pick. I mean, <laughs> hey, they go like, two and four. You sound like the Jets. What they if they go lose. two and 14 or four and 12, <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. I'd rather have the three higher spots in the draft. All right, that'll wrap up this week of NFL Friday. Thanks to Reed Horner for producing the episode. John DeBarro for his sage fantasy advice. Devin Clemente and Mir Gori for joining me. Tom Scabelli, that'll wrap up week six of NFL Friday. Tune in next week for more.